The Mean Gene Show on iHeartRadio. You can also listen on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Mean Gene Show airs weekly on iHeartRadio with guest professional athletes, national sports writers, and much more. We discuss the latest in the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and more. Here's your host, Mean Gene. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mean Gene Show right here on iHeartRadio. Hope you are enjoying your day. Look, we waited an extra day. We were supposed to be on the air yesterday talking about the NFL championship games, but my guest today was not available, and we had technical difficulties, but today we are good to go, and I cannot wait to bring on my special guest. And He's a special guest, but he's been on the show quite a bit. As a matter of fact, he's been on the Sports King Show, the Mean Gene Show. He is the senior writer for cbssports.com and it's Brian DiArto. So we're going to bring Brian on here in a little bit uh, to talk about both games that took place uh, this past weekend, Sunday, uh, between the, the Ravens and the Chiefs and the 49ers and the Detroit Lions. So I hope you enjoy my interview with CBS Sports senior writer Brian DiArto. All right, folks, as promised here on the Mean Gene Show, I told you I would bring on an expert because – I don't know everything, and it's just nice to know that we have friends and wonderful places that do. Uh, my next guest is a great friend of the show. We have had him on, and he covers the NFL. He's actually a senior sports writer for CBSSports.com. Uh, covers the Pittsburgh Steelers and everything in that AFC North. Please welcome to the show Brian DiArto. What's up, Brian? Hey, Gene, good to, good to be with you. We No more AFC North teams to cover now. The Ravens were the last <laughs> ones to bow out. So now we're we're channeling our attention to, to the only two teams that are left. But, yeah, as you said, uh, we've done a lot of shows together. It's always good to be on with you. Hey, man, I tell you what, it's great. And, look, look, I, you know, the, the, I, I, it was tough looking at the AFC championship game. And, and, you know, some people, Brian, and I'm not one of them, will say, well, you know, my team, our team, whatever, you know, because I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But, you know, they would say, well, we, we, we're going to stay with the AFC North. So I'm going to root for the Ravens. I couldn't do that, Brian, on the AFC <laughs> Championship weekend. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I was kind of like you where I was lukewarm about it. But I think I was more in the, the Chiefs bandwagon. So I'll just be totally transparent. I have a – my brother-in-law uh, works for Bleacher Report. And we went back and forth all week because I had to rank uh, at work the top, you know, rank the four teams that are left. And I struggled with that because I think, obviously, I think talent-wise this year, the Chiefs were where I think people thought were closer to the bottom. And that's kind of where I ended up putting them, even though I was reluctant. And I, I've just been high on them, the Chiefs, for a while. And my brother-in-law didn't quite understand why, for good reason, right? I mean, they were... And, and he's a Bengal fan, and he, he kept going back to the fact that the Chiefs almost lost to Cincinnati in Week 17 with Jake Browning at quarterback. And But my reasoning was, and, it, and it's been, I mean, they have Patrick Mahomes, and as we all know now, the quarterback is the position in the NFL now, and they have the best one. They have the best player in the league. So you have him, and then you he has the – the weapon and Travis Kelsey, what, 11 for 11 and targets uh, against the Ravens. So that alone gives you a reasons to feel 
to feel optimistic about them. But I just kept going back to the 18 Patriots, and that was the, the Patriots' last Super Bowl win. And Brady famously said in the playoffs, well, I guess we don't suck that much, or I guess we suck, or whatever he said. But, <laughs> but that team was, what, 11-5 and five in the regular season. And they just figured out how to win in the playoffs. And, and, they, and they won by really good defense. Uh, Sony Michelle ran really well in that during that run. I remember. Brady basically focused on Gronk and Edelman, and you're kind of seeing it now with the Chiefs. Like they, very good defense. Um, and Mahomes is basically, you know, he's using Pacheco, he's using, and uh, he's using uh, Travis Kelsey, and then he's, you know, Mark, Mark Valdez Scantley is is stepping up. He's made some some big catches, and uh, Rashe Rice has done really well too. So, and and to me, that was always the question for the Chiefs. It was going to be was this receiving core going to step up? And so far in the playoffs, they've stepped up. They have. And and, and just the storyline going into that AFC championship matchup, you know, you, you like you said, you got Andy Reid, you got the, 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 the Chiefs are scary, whether they were at home or on the road. But this was just a different chapter for Mahomes, having to win uh, two playoff games on the road, something that they've never done. But still, they were in a familiar territory, right? You know, being in the AFC Championship game, but Baltimore, you know, uh, talking about them, Brian, I mean, you know, getting that number one seed and, you know, it just seems like every so often you get a number one seed that comes out sort of flat. Now, they did handle the Texans in that second half, but they did come out flat in the first half, but they, you know, they got past them. But do you think that just playing a team like the Texans and the way that they put them away in that second half may have been somewhat of a factor in, in, in not being too uh, prepared for the Chiefs? Well, I think, if yeah, I think when you go ahead and you look back on the Ravens' season, I mean, yes, the AFC North, every team had a winning record, but but you look at at the fact that they, they didn't face Joe Burrow. They faced uh, the, the Ravens mm-hmm. faced Joe Burrow in week two, but he was injured at that point, and then they faced Browning. You know, the Steelers had their quarterback issues. The Browns had their quarterback issues. So, you know, they didn't really face the elite quarterbacks until they, they got to Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. Um, and you look at general, I mean, yes. I mean, you look at the fact that who did they have to beat to get to the AFC Championship? They had to beat Houston, who, I mean, I, hats off to them. Like, I actually just had to put together, like, an all-AFC playoff team. You can imagine it's mostly Chiefs, but... Number two were Texans. I think the only teams that I had uh, mentioned were Ravens, Chiefs, and Texans players. And, and and they did, like you said, they gave them a fight for a half. But that was their only obstacle yeah. before they got to the AFC Championship game. Then you look at the Chiefs, they were for certainly more battle-tested. I mean, they they had, sure were. I mean Miami, Miami obviously was, was uh, you know, they were kind of a sacrificial lamb because of all the injuries they had. But then Buffalo gave them every, every ounce of, of effort, right? And Buffalo came in with what a six game winning streak and, yeah, and, yeah. and the Steelers gave them a fight and they had to hold off the Steelers. So Buffalo, I mean, so yeah, I think they were much more battle tested, but I think this again goes back to, I think people now in hindsight were overlooking or maybe uh, were, were a thought that the Ravens receiving core was, and, and overall just weapons were better than they were. I mean, and you look at the Houston game again, I mean, it was Lamar Jackson that had the hundred yards rushing. Gus Edwards was, was largely held in, in check. Um, Justice Hill was a non-factor. Um, and their receivers, I mean, Zay Flowers had a really nice rookie season. He should get better, but he's, you know, he's only a rookie, right? And and you look at the weapons that Mahomes has relative to, to Jackson, um, you know, it, I, and I said this before the game, I mean, Rache Rice is better than any receiver the Chiefs have. Uh, 
you know, he Absolutely. just has to show it. And and so I think for the Ravens, it's still more um, – and for whatever reason, and I don't know if you noticed this, it just seemed like Lamar was hesitant to run, and he may have had an injury that we don't know about. I'm not sure. But to me, I hope that Lamar wasn't going into that game thinking, I have to prove that I can win this with my arm because he's already proven that. He, he needs to – and I think, you know, if there's one thing I think – if somebody close to Lamar could tell him this, it would be – Lean into what you are. Like Mahomes has. He's yeah. an unorthodox quarterback. Yeah. Lean into what you are. And, and you know, hopefully he didn't not run because he wanted to make some sort of statement. You know, I kind of got that feeling too. And, and you even heard the broadcasters say, look, the Ravens come in there. They were, you know, they rushed more than anybody. They they were leading the AFC in rushing, right? So, and, and not all of that was on Lamar. I mean, a great deal of it was. I mean, Gus Edwards did his part. They still had Justice Hill. But I thought the same thing, Brian, because it just looked like, man, you got to you gotta be able to run on these first downs. You know, you, you're getting these key first downs, but you're coming out there passing, and especially almost in the red zone. I was shocked to see that they never gave it, a, you know, a run to, you know, get the second and six or second and five to see – what you you might be able to do, but man, those passes just ultimately came out and 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 got them. And even if you're not going to give it to Edwards or, or or Hill, Lamar, run when you need to. Right. It it seemed impatient. It, it it they seemed impatient. And I think the interesting thing was the irony maybe was that Todd Munkin rightfully got so much praise all year for what that he and Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense did, but it just it it. They didn't. They just seemed. They everything just seemed rushed. Everything seemed yeah, um, like they were trying to make up too many points at once. And that interception at the end was really, really, uh, in, you know, really sums that whole thing up because yeah. he had. I think he had a running lane. He he threw in triple coverage, which yeah. is obviously the wrong decision to make. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, it, it just yeah. I mean, you watch that game. It just seemed like. It just seemed like they. I mean, their defense did everything they could, and, and that defense, and that might be the hard part is that. That's a championship level defense, and if you're a Ravens fan, you know most likely next year Joe Burrow is going to be healthy again, and the Bengals should be back and ready to go. Yeah. I mean, the Browns aren't going to get worse when Deshaun Watson comes back. That's true. The Steelers are going to be better. I mean, that window. I think I think the best team in the league are are the 49ers, but I think that division is is very very good, and I think Baltimore is going to now again they still have Lamar Jackson, and as long as he's healthy. They'll have a shot, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, this was a golden opportunity for them it's, that they weren't able to take advantage of. It, it was. It was. Now, and, and just looking at the Chiefs, because the Chiefs gave them every opportunity. That defense, like you said, they had they had the Chiefs, you know, to a couple of three and outs there uh, late in that game, and, and I'm like, wow, you know, so the, they're giving the Ravens every opportunity to get back in that game, but yet they would come out there and throw, throw, throw. But there's one play, Brian, that just really – because I, I, I was on another show the other day, and – and they asked me a question, and this was crazy. They said, "Well, Mean Gene, you got to tell us, you got to tell us who is going to be an X factor in the game." And for some reason, I just said, "You know, Marquez uh, uh, Scanlon." I just felt like he was going to do something magical, and and uh, he didn't have a great game, but he had one hell of a catch, and it yep. was the catch that sealed the game. Well, I almost put him on my my all my all AFC playoff team. I almost did because. The, the Bills, he did the same thing, and he's a guy that, again, like he's you know he's played with with uh, in, in an NFC Championship game. He's played with Aaron Rodgers. He understands the big you know the big moments, and you have to step up. And mm-hmm. 
And, you know, he had a, didn't he, I think he had either a drop or a fumble earlier this season that was like really bad. And, you know, he came back from that and he, you know, and good for him, you know, because he's been a guy that I know was criticized in Green Bay at times for not being better. And he's a, he's a, he's one of those guys where it's like he is a professional receiver, right? Like he's not going to go into the Hall of Fame. I agree. I think that was, that was kind of the play in the game where you look at, and that was one of the reasons, again, why I was, I felt good about the Chiefs. And even, you know, Rashe Rice, I think, caught all of his targets. I mean, he was only targeted four times. I think in the playoffs, he's been targeted 13 times. He has 12 catches. And then, and I think this is maybe the part of, of the Chiefs win that people aren't talking about, is that Joe Tooney was hurt. His replacement was great. And that line in general, you know, Trey Smith, a six-round pick last year, has really brought a nastiness to that Chiefs offensive line. I mean, Donovan, Donovan Smith, an older, older lineman, has been playing really well because, you know, and that was the part of the Chiefs that, again, I wasn't sure of. Was was that line going to hold up? Because on paper, yeah, they've got Tooney, they've got Humphrey, but Tooney was out, and that line isn't great. It's, and they were going against Matabukwe and that Ravens line. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. And they won that matchup. Like, you know, Pacheco, you know, what, 68 yards, 24 carries. People might look at that and say, that's a bad stat line. But Jerome Bettis had a lot of those games. Eddie oh, George yeah. had a lot of those oh, yeah. games. And if you're gaining three yards a pop, that's there's a difference, right? If he had, you know, uh, it, you know, if it was like 30 of those was on one run, and then the rest of the game he averaged a yard a carry, that's that's pretty bad. But I didn't watch Pacheco and think, man, they're bottling him up. I, I never thought that. I mean, they were getting positive yards almost every play. Now, were yeah. they busting long runs? They weren't. But they were doing enough to keep Mahomes in third and manageable. Yeah, you're right. It's something that the Ravens, you know, uh, fans wish they would have done with, with yes. the run. Yeah, so I right. agree with you completely. Right. But, you know, and it just seemed like that play uh, to to Scantling, I, I knew that Andy Reid had it in his back pocket. I just kept wondering, when? When are they going to take that shot? When right. are they going to take that shot? And it just seemed like they did it at the at the most opportune moment. Right. Yeah. And and that's again, that's kind of the, the mastery of, of Andy Reid. And, and it's just it's crazy because, you know, 10 years ago, he had no Super Bowl wins. <laughs> and, it, and it was like he's going to go down as like the best coach that never won one. And now I think he's what this is his fifth Super Bowl that he's going to be a head coach. And I think that's the third tied for the third most ever behind only Don Shula and Bill Belichick. So like. And if he wins this one, he's on a short list of guys that have won three, which is like Walsh, Joe Gibbs, Noel, you know, uh, you know, uh, Lombardi, Belichick. Yeah. So like he's, I mean, he's uh, as good as it gets as far as coaches. And yeah, his longevity as a coach. And I think that I think he's ahead of his time because yeah, I think like like Belichick, Noel, uh, Landry. I think those were like you know head coaches that I think back in the day it was like you have a defensive background, you know, and then mm-hmm. running the ball, then mm-hmm. offense was like, well, let's just not lose the game. Like, you know, now Lombardi did, obviously he had the Packers sweep and Landry ended up you know, getting the shotgun offense and Noel, Noel knew things cause he was a lineman and whatnot. But it seemed like those teams were built on defense where Reed, you know, he's you know, him and Walsh were kind of like the first, like we're more offensive minded, you know, head coaches, you know, Joe Gibbs as well. So um, yeah, I mean, Reed is, and, and I think again, you know, and I look at the Steelers the same way with Mike Tomlin, who's a defensive coach. Like, uh, you know what you don't know. And, you know, Spagnolo is the best defensive mind in oh, the NFL, yeah. and he oh, has yeah. been for a long time. Oh, yeah. So 
give Andy Reid credit for hiring someone that he basically has given the reins to. And, and, and it's like, hey, I'm, I got the defensive, and I'm sure they do work in concert. Hey, here's how I want to call the game, so here's what I need from you defensively. Man, and I'm work. sure they have a, a working, a great working relationship. They work great together. You uh, you can see it. And, and look, man, give it give it up to Andy Reid, you know, making that, that transition from the, the NFC to the AFC. Yeah. And uh, just, just amazing stuff there. So, hey, folks, once again, we're talking with Brian Diardo, CBS Sports Senior Writer, and he is on the Mean Gene Show here, and we are breaking down the NFL championship games from the past weekend. So um, we haven't said much about KC other than, you know, look, they're in a familiar place. They're, they're, they're in the Super Bowl again. And, and uh, you know, this rematch here of Super Bowl 54, let's talk about the NFC championship game, which seems to be – I don't think people are going to stop talking about – that game and the fact like it was a tale of two halves you know it really looked like they they only showed for the Ford Center one time with all the fans I mean that first half it just looked like they were going to be celebrating in Motown right and then the second half of that game just you know and I kind of felt it Brian that this is not over it cannot be over because you, you, the 49ers are somehow going to make a comeback and they did yeah, I, man, I forgot about that Ford Field, those fans. Now I feel really bad. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that, it, and it is. It's hard, you know, because I think, I think if you tell Lions fans, hey, you're going to get to the NFC Championship game and you're going to lose this great game to the Niners back in August, they'd probably say, you know what, like, we'll take that. that. That meant we got there. But, man, the way that it ended, and I have one buddy that I know is a Lions fan. I haven't talked to him yet, but very curious to kind of see – the mixed feeling of emotions they probably have this week, right? But but yeah, I think for me the game changed late in the first half when the Lions were driving and Goff throws to Gibbs in the end zone and they misconnect. But if Gibbs catches that, it's twenty to seven at halftime. And yes, the Niners ended up scoring thirty four, but you wonder if it's twenty eight to seven it, does that make things different? Does that change anything? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the Niners start the second half and kick a field goal. So, but if it's twenty-eight to ten, are they are they more in line with we need a touchdown because we need to make this a three a three possession game? We can't have it before, right? So, I think that was the beginning. I mean, and I thought the Lions even at that point, I like I don't blame Campbell for kicking the field goal there instead of trying the fourth down. Like get the points. Like I get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but. I felt like the Lions at that point kind of took their foot off the gas. I felt like they were they were a little less aggressive trying to get seven. I think even the third down throw was like underneath and and whatever. So, and then the Niners. I think the most important thing then after that was then they scored on their next drive. And even though it was only a field goal, well, you went from a three possession game to a two possession game. And so now you're you're, you're right there. And then that fourth down incompletion. Uh, first of all, they. I, see, I'm okay with that decision, the first fourth down decision, because it was it should have worked. I mean, Reynolds was open. Uh, I think Goff was pressured a little bit on the play by Bosa, uh, but they just didn't connect. And again, you go back to Gibbs at the end of the first half. There was just too much of that in, in, in for the Lions uh, once they built the 24 to seven lead. They just they weren't executing, and, and Campbell even said it after the game, like it was uncharacteristic of them because yeah. most of the year, if not the whole year they were able to execute in those moments. And then, and then very similar to the, to the scantling play, I think we can, in the chiefs game, we can go back to this game. I mean, the IU oh, play, my goodness. 
when once that happened, you're kind of just sitting there like, all right, like this, this is, this is because then right after that was was Gibbs fumble, yeah, and then they score yeah. and that. But to me, it was, the IU play was really like the okay, like this this game is is going in the night. It was a sure. momentum changer because look, and I I I, I compare that catch to the helmet. Uh, catch you know in the Super Bowl between the, the Patriots right. and the Giants because that that was a ridiculous catch and look that catch uh, if that catch isn't made who knows I I think the 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 Lions are in a position to to route them you know and I agree with you Brian that hey you go up twenty eight seven I think you just really sort of take something out of the Forty ers and 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 those guys are going to be pumped. But I, I got to ask you this because I had said me and Dustin when we did the show last week, we just some of the factors that the 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 uh, Lions would need is what, and they did this in the first half was the one and two. You got to give them Gibbs and Montgomery, and they did that effectively. Seemed like the Forty ers were you know were 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 backtracking there. I mean, they couldn't stop those guys, you know, and they used Montgomery effectively as as, as did they do uh, did with Gibbs, but. The second half, I don't know. I just don't know where the passing came from. And then they were passing it to guys who were not necessarily your playmakers. I thought, you know, Reynolds, who who dropped a couple of key passes, and then uh, they put, like, the third string tight end who hadn't played but, like, one or two games all year. So I, I don't know. I mean, it was just very questionable as to why they didn't stick with the one-two punch, and then why didn't they go to their playmakers? Why I, I don't think Laporta did. He was a non-factor in the second half, and and they didn't really go to uh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown that much in the second half. The, the St. Brown was the one that I really was – I noticed. It was – yeah, that they, they, it just seemed like that – and again, you know, you, maybe the Niners obviously were focused, but they can't stop everybody, right? Like, right. Like, because the Lions running game wasn't there. So then you assume, okay, well, then, then like – then obviously like Laporta or somebody else is going to be open and nobody else. I mean, Reynolds was, I mean, Reynolds had that, that drop, yeah. which was, which was, which was bad. And that, that to me, I remember just sitting there thinking like, and I think right before that play or three plays earlier, they do a rollout and Laporta is open and golf and him just misconnect. And again, mm-hmm. like it, it, it just, there was just way too much of that. And I think that was in Montgomery. I just felt like, I feel like when you're a big back like that, you need, you need time to get warmed, warmed up. And I feel like they just never, I think they just should have at one point said, all right, like we're going to, you have to decide what you want to do. So if you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive. But if you're going to just settle into, all right, we're going to chew this clock up mode, which again, if you're up 27, you can do that. You can do that for the whole half yeah. unless you have a catastrophic mistake or something. And I just feel like they never just, they never, they didn't have an identity in the second half. No, it was just they like, didn't. let's just try, let's just try this play and see if this works. Okay, that didn't work. Let's yeah, try this play. Yeah. And I think even when they could tell that Goff wasn't Goff, they needed to, they really needed that running game. I mean, they had 148 yards in the first yes. half. And they had 34 in the second half. It's ridiculous because right. the, you don't want Goff. Passing against that 49ers defense when you when you got workhorses like Montgomery and Gibbs, I, it, it it floored me. It did, and again, it goes back to they can't stop everything. So if they're stopping the run, that tells you that the pat that the receivers and, and like I just like I, I gave some examples like Reynolds was open a couple of times, didn't catch the ball, or you know Goff didn't put it exactly where it needed to be. I mean, 
and that's kind of the hard part. And that it, it kind of goes back to everything when you when it's all narratives, right? So it's like you go back to the AFC Championship game, and then some people now are saying, well, we should have assumed that Lamar was going to Lamar, which is not fair to him. But mm-hmm. that is the knock on him is that he doesn't deliver in big games. And you know, Goff, that was kind of the story when he was with the Rams, which is why they shipped him out. Like yeah. I don't think that Goff played bad, but I he wasn't at his best right, on the right. moment called for him to be mm-hmm. at his best. You look at the other side of the field, Brock Purdy was his best. I mean, he did not play well in the first half at all. I think he was like 7 of 15 in the first half. And then the second half, he's, his runs were incredible. I mean, he had he had some runs. Uh, I think I think their game time touchdown, he may have had a run that like that set everything up. I think it was after Gibbs' fumble. I, I, think he had, I didn't he had know a, he a had it run. in him. <laughs> Me neither. Right. And so he he showed i mean he didn't have to show me anything you know he doesn't, he doesn't know who i am but he showed me something i, I said yeah. man like this guy can because he was shaky against the packers you know and yeah. they blamed it on the weather yeah and he was he was on i mean again you know that that throw to iuk like that was luck and and but he did but he put it out there and you have to give yeah. him credit yeah, for taking yeah, that yeah. shot that's true you know but and uh, but he made the plays and my takeaway overall from the weekend now that fort now i will say one last thing about the lions you kick the field goal there again. I, you know, you maybe they, the maybe goal. their kicker, they know something about him that we don't know, but you kick the field goal there because, because you needed points. You needed to stop the bleeding. And now you you're really still did. even in your square. And you yeah. can say to your guys, Hey, we're in, we're tied now. We got this. And the Niners went back and scored, but the lions would have had time to respond. They would have. So that's the fourth down. That's the decision that I don't think was wise. Yeah, it was, you know, it's just one of those crazy games. And you wanted to see uh, the Lions get in there. Even though, and this was crazy on my part because I picked the 49ers to win, but I'm sitting here, you know, rooting for the Lions because you just want to see that. You want to see them uh, punch it in. But now here's one crazy uh, stat also. Now, if I had told you, Brian, that uh, Aiden Hutchison was not going to have one tackle in that game, would you have believed me? Not at all. Not at all. And even you look at the, yeah, you know, yeah, no. I mean, and that just that just speaks to that speaks to the craziness of the NFL. And then you know, you look at like Chris Jones. I don't think had any tackles. Um, and he's been kind of a non-factor in for the Chiefs as far as like production. But he's still wreaking havoc. He's still setting things up for everybody else. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 it, these these are the moments where where the best players have to step up. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it, it sounds corny, but that's kind of where, where legacies are defined. Yes. Yeah. So, and you're, and you're seeing it. You mean, Mahomes, I mean, he continues to step up and, and play great. So, um, and I think that there is something in your DNA that you're either able to step up in these moments or you're not. I mean, with millions of people watching and all the pressure and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was, um, you know, and, and I will say one thing. I, so I, picked i think i picked the lions um and i wanted them to win but when i was watching the 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 mccafferty late in that game and i was watching the veracity of his running and the determination i and i already liked him but that's who you feel good for for the niners and and and, you know kittle i mean this group has not won a super bowl and they've been knocking on the door for a long time like fred warner and and drake greenlaw i mean this group has been has stayed together. I mean, I think if you look at like, and I don't know this for sure, but like the players on this team that are still on the roster from four years ago, 
the Niners, I think, have more players than the Chiefs. They do. I mean, they the do. Chiefs, the mm-hmm. Chiefs still have. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think they got like five together. of them. I, you know, I think right, they got like right. five. Only yeah. five. I think the Niners have twelve. So, like, they the nucleus has been mostly put stayed together. And you know, Shanahan. You know, I want him. To, I'd like to see him win one. You know, and I and I think uh, you know him and his dad will be the first two head coaches. You know, brother or father son duo to win one. So, and and he has to kind of you know, you talk about legacies like he, you know his goes back to the Falcons. No, tell me about it. Twenty eight to three, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. So I mean, so yeah. I, yeah, there's reasons to like the Niners. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna tell you I'm pulling for them. I mean, I, okay. Uh, and I think for the Chiefs, I think for them even just to get here was just the the accomplishment. And it's weird with Mahomes. I almost think for him, it's like the LeBron comparison, where it's like it might not be. The ring total, more so the amount of times he even got there. Like 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 the Jordan versus LeBron, right? Like, is is Mahomes gonna get seven? Probably not. He's only at two, but I think he'll he'll get to a lot of them. And so I think for them, just getting here was a big deal. I, I my main takeaway from the weekend, Gene, was if the Niners play the way they're capable of, this should not be a close game. Well, is my what, it, well it, close maybe, but I think that they're gonna win. I would I would handily pick the 49ers to win this game. It opened up at a, I believe, what, two and a half, three, you know, and who knows, we're two weeks away from that, and it could change a whole lot, injuries, this, that, and the other. We should see. But, hey, the Super Bowl is in Vegas, Super Bowl 58. And, you know, it's crazy because a lot of people go to Vegas to watch the Super Bowl, you know, anyway. But now it's in Vegas. Uh, Read a report this morning the teams are staying some 25 miles away from the the strip, which is a a great idea, because you know Vegas is Vegas, right? The most the distracting place in the world. But uh, you think they're going to be able to, to to do a good job, Brian, of just keeping those guys? Because look, every Super Bowl, it seems like players get in trouble, and uh, in, in whatever city is in, you know, something goes you know uh, wrong there. But this city, uh, Vegas, as we all know, is is Sin City. Uh, you think they're going to be able to contain these guys for two weeks out there and, 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 and keep them under control? Well, there's always one, right? There's always, <laughs> there's always one bad apple. I mean, I mean, you know, it's hard, it's hard to imagine that there's not, I will say this and I don't know if there's really, um, I know back in the day, this was a storyline in Super Bowls, right? Like how are coaches going to handle X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Um, I think now, I think what most coaches do is they go out later in the week I, I still think it favors I think that because I think the Chiefs are typically the team that goes out later. I, I don't know I don't know that for a fact though, but I feel like I feel like and it, I, so like I go back to Super Bowl nine. I think that's kind of like the, the the famous one where like Bud Grant didn't let his guys do anything in in uh, New Orleans and Chuck Noll let the guys go out. I think like the first two nights he's like just go out get this get get out of your system. But that's when Dwight White got pneumonia and was hospitalized and almost didn't play in that game. Um, but, it, and so it's interesting to see now, I know we talked off air. I think they're staying, both teams are staying pretty far away. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to help. And, and I think, and I think you had mentioned this. I, I don't, I don't know if you told me which team, I think it's genius. If you go to like a hotel, like resort where like the hotel itself is awesome and there's really no reason to leave. And I think, that's what I would do. I would go somewhere where even maybe maybe the resort's got a little casino, right? And I'm mm-hmm. sure they do. I'm sure mm-hmm. they all do, right? Yeah. I think that's what I would do. I'd say, all right, like we're gonna stay at this awesome casino, whatever, whatever. And and as you know, this being in the media, 
I think now the week has gotten so crazy that I don't think the players really have time to do that stuff anymore. No. Like, it's not like, you know, like, like back then you had like one media day and that was it. Like now they have media obligations like all week. That's true. They're going to be watching film. They're going to be practicing. Some of them I'm sure have their families with them. So I don't think that most are going to, now those young single guys are the ones you got to worry yeah. about. You know, the, the 22, 23 <laughs> yeah. old guys that are on the practice squad and their buddies are telling them, dude, like you're probably not going to be on the chiefs next year. Like you might be back home with us. Like, let's go out and do this, that, and the other, those are the guys you have to worry about. But, but I think like I'm a Holmes writer or a Kelsey or a Warner or McCaffrey, they're not going to be getting in trouble. Like, I don't no. think you're going to see any headliners get in trouble. I mean, these are, these are two veteran teams that know what's at stake. I agree with you. And, and look, the 49ers are what, like eight hours away from Las Vegas. I think it's going to be a, a, a dominant 49er fan base there. Uh, there are 49er fans there. I know Vegas, uh, the Raiders are there. But before the Raiders got to Vegas, the, the 49er fans pretty much ran Las Vegas. So it's going to be interesting to see. And so the Kansas City folks are a show up there. It's going to be exciting. But there was one more thing I wanted to get your opinion on. So if Andy Reid was to win Super Bowl 58, do you think he retires? No, because I think he loves coaching too much. And I think he, as long as he has Mahomes, I I don't think he will. Like, I I just, unless there's something going on that I I don't know about, I, I just... I think he's going to ride this train as long as he can. And, and as long as he's physically fit and he has the energy to do it, like he's 65, I think. Yeah. So, and I, I think he'll coach as long as he can. I mean, I really do. Like I, I, because, you know, again, he's got Mahomes. It looks like they've got the salary cap in place. Like, you know, they've already kind of, they've already shown they can lose guys like Tyreek Hill and, and still win it. Like yeah. now if Kelsey retires, then I think, see, I think that's more of the question is Kelsey riding off into the sunset because we all know who he's dating and we know that his brother, I think his brother and him are going to leave at the same time. So if his brother retires and they win the Super Bowl, I don't see Kelsey. I think Kelsey will retire for sure. But if, if they lose and his brother decides to to keep going, then maybe, maybe he changes it up. Because I I think their dream is to make the hall of fame the same time. And I think it would help. Now his brother, now Jason is for sure, or Travis is for sure. a First ballot, Jason, as great as he is, I, it's, I don't think that's a slam dunk, but it would certainly help his cause if his brother was going in that, that first year, yeah. right? So yeah. I think Kelsey's the one that I'm more like, this could be his last game. Because what else does he have to prove? I mean, he was 11 of 11. That's true. Like, even I mean, this championship game, I mean, one of my colleagues was like, when the Chiefs had the ball at the end, it's like, well, this game's not over. And I'm like, the Chiefs have Kelsey. Like, it's over. Like, it's because he, had, he hadn't been stopped to that point. I know. I know. Perfect. And, and, and so – but no, I think Reed will stick around. I, again, I, as long as his health is good and, and he has the drive to keep doing it, which I think he does, like because he knows the gravy. I mean, he waited so long to get Mahomes, like, and he had McNabb, who was great, right? He had McNabb, but but a guy that's this good. I mean, and and he is. I mean, Mahomes to me, Gene. I don't know if you agree. To me, he's already on the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks of all oh, time. Oh, I mean, oh, he's there. Yeah, look. Yeah, look. I, mean, I I I think Rogers. I mean, you know. Rodgers are not Rodgers. Uh, Brady for sure. Yeah. Mahomes, and then and then I don't know. I mean, I'd have to think. I mean, because Unitas was the best quarterback of the first half century of the league, so I think Unitas has to kind of be in the in the conversation. But then you've got Marino and Manning, and I think that to me is kind of the list. 
and then you can figure out who's who, who's on and, and who's and not. And see, because, and I can I can I, I cannot leave Joe Montana. Joe Montana, no, Montana name, too. It, it keeps sliding, you know, because I, I know a lot of people don't remember Joe and, and didn't see him play. But man, that guy and some of the things that that he did. But you know, look, they're just gonna have to make that mountain a little bit bigger because you right. know. <laughs> I think, and I could be wrong. I think his greatness is overlooked because of um, maybe the system, because then young came in and had success, but like, but that's not fair to either quarterback. Mm-hmm, Cause they were mm-hmm. both just such special talents. But, and I think, I think for Marina or for Montana, like nothing really sticks out as far as like, like he was good at everything. And I think that's where him and Brady, I think are so similar is that like Marino had the, the rocket arm and he, the quick release, like, you know, Manning was very similar to Marino and also too, like he was just so prolific, right? Like nobody could, could read a defense the way Manning, but it's just weird. And then Mahomes just plays the position in a way that nobody's ever seen. But I think, yeah, Montana, that's, that's where Montana is just, but, but Hey, he won four Super Bowls, was four and oh in Super Bowls and could do everything. And like, and like he was athletic so yeah, I agree. I think Mont- I think Montana needs to be there. So yeah. I guess I guess Johnny Hughes getting bumped, which I hate doing it. I hate doing it, but <laughs> it is what it is. Somebody somebody has to go. Hey, so. it's a conversation for the ages, man. Because these guys keep getting better. And look, right. uh, if Mahomes win, then, then we then we talking dynasty. We talking three. You know, so it's a whole, it's a it's just a different conversation. He's only twenty eight years old, so you got to think if he gets three, well, there's a chance that he might get four at some point. So right, and if he we, gets three, then he's on a one of five. Only five guys would have three: Aikman, uh, Bradshaw, Montana, and and Brady, which and the, is crazy. Yeah, and then 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 that's 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 Mount Rushmore for for the most part, right? right? You can only put four right. up there, right, or five or whatever. So anyway, hey Brian, man, this this has been great. Look, we we we're going to talk more because I, I, we haven't even got into uh, Taylor Swift's impact oh, on the man. Super Bowl because I got to think, you know, whether people like her or not, uh, the impact, the excitement that even fans, her fans, that probably wasn't even football fans are now football fans, and that's got to be good for the NFL. So we we got a lot of stuff to talk about over the next couple of weeks, but. Uh, we will get into it, in, including, uh, you know, just the game itself, breaking down the game and, and, and all of that great stuff. But it's always a pleasure to have you on, my man. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, we've got a lot. I mean, my one-year-old is a Swifty now, so she already likes <laughs> already? football. So this, this, yeah, already. So this Super Bowl is going to be, hey, you know what? It, it allows Dad some downtime. You put Taylor Swift on the TV, and you can get a lot. I mean, it's like Taylor Swift and Miss Rachel are kind of the two heroes in this household. So, oh, and that's mom. so funny. That's so funny. Well, hey, yeah. Look here, man. I I I appreciate you taking the time this morning, Brian. And we will connect uh, here in the next week or two, man, and talk more about Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Sounds great. Thanks as always. All right, folks. Brian Diotto, CBS Sports writer for CBSSports.com, joining us here on the Mean Gene Show. All right, there you have it. Man, always have a great time speaking with Brian DiArdo. Brian and I, we actually met in Canton, Ohio. We were both covering the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and this was the enshrinement that they did in 2021. They didn't do it in 2020. That was the COVID year, so they combined the 2020 and the 2021 class, so there was some 20 
23 or 24 guys getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So it was a long ceremony. And, man, we, we had a great time there in Canton. And uh, we've been, you know, friends ever since. Brian's been on our show, uh, the Sports Kings and the Mean Jeans show. But always a great time when we have him. And he knows his football. And like I say, he's a senior writer for CBSSports.com. Make sure you follow some of his work because he, he, he writes uh, great articles and gives great insights on what's happening in the NFL. So that's going to wrap it up for this show. And we will come back later in the week and get you some more information. Hey, Super Bowl 58, we got two weeks. And, boy, there will be storylines that don't even exist now, but I'm sure they're going to come up. And we will look more into the Taylor Swift factor as far as what she has meant. And I know people have their opinions on her, but what she has meant for the NFL and fans that don't even like football but like her, but she is bringing to football. And I think I had a conversation with someone last night about, you know, her being on the halftime show. And would it be a surprise if she was to perform? I know the halftime show has already been decided. I know Usher is going to be at the halftime show. But wouldn't it be a shocker? Wouldn't it be a big surprise if Taylor Swift was to, like, you know, join him on stage for a brief moment? That, that would be crazy. Anyway, all right. Uh, so, look, make sure you come back and join us here on the Mean Gene Show. Check the listings there if you're on the pod being streaming live. They've had problems with the app, so I wanted to do some live shows. But, hey, uh, as soon as they get that up and running, uh, we'll get back on the live streaming shows. But until then, hey, uh, make sure you come back. And, and, and if you missed any part of this show, you can always get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. All right. So enjoy your rest of the day. And we'll see you back here again on the Mean Gene Show. <laughs>